Welcome back to Tailgate Season, where it's always a bad day to be a beer, presented by the Cold Cans Network. I am Logan, sitting here with my co-host Jordan. Be sure to give us five stars and a great review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, check out the website, countryandcoldcans.com. Um, up until December 15th, which is coming up here uh, and what, today's Tuesday, us recording, a couple days, we still have 20% off uh, merch on the website, site-wide with the code Cold cans. So go to countrycoldcans.com slash shop. Use the code cold cans. Get 20% off your order on the hat t-shirt or both if you're feeling frisky. All right, Jordan. Uh we're here we are in basketball season. Yeah, I'm uh I'm glad to get back. Uh you're starting to get the meat and potatoes of uh college basketball season after feast week. Um you start getting into conference play really. And uh so we're gonna start getting things shaken up a little bit in ACC. And uh, I can't wait to get ACC basketball starting. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always gets more interesting when conference play begins, and we're kind of getting into that part of the year now. Like you said, um, it's it's crazy though. Early December is conference season these days because you know we grew up in a sixteen game schedule era. Now it's twenty games, so you know you've got to extend it out just to get all those you know, all those games played, but. But, you know, the earlier it begins these days, uh, you know, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of seeing kind of how things are going to shake out. Packer 0-2 to start, which I kind of called on two different podcasts in the last couple of weeks, but a couple of tough losses to Pitt and Miami. Uh, but that, that Miami game was frustrating because they had nine-point lead at the half, 16-point lead in the second half, and they ran out of gas and allowed Miami to come back and win by seven. Uh, Miami took the lead with, like, Three and a half minutes to go in the game. Yeah, I um I didn't really watch that game. I saw the score. Um, you know, but but that's an understandable loss. That's not a terrible loss. That's a good that's a good Miami team on the road. Yeah, I mean they were the pack were the underdogs in that one on the road. So the fact that they were like I I hate, you know, uh trying to go for silver linings and I hate, you know, trying to find moral victories because they're not real. What's only real is whether it goes in the left or the right column. But Reality is, like, that was one of the tougher games on the ACC slate for the pack this year. And they they played well for 36 minutes. <laughs> right. But that wasn't enough. So, Miami's a good team. They are. They're, uh, they're up there. Always have been. And, uh, you know, especially on the road, it's anywhere in the ACC in the conference, it's going to be crazy. So, unless you get a Louisville, um, yeah. then you might, you might have an easy win there. I mean, isn't that Florida State's only uh, conference win right now? Yep. Yeah. They're two and nine and in a dogfight with South Carolina Upstate right now. So that tells you the state of the Seminole program. But Carolina got a bounce back win against Georgia Tech. Uh, what yep. was it, 71 59? Yeah, it was actually it was a good, good win. Um, you know, anything in conference is great. This team's been struggling a little bit. Um, I watched, I didn't get to watch it live. Um, I'm kinda, I was kind of, also, a little bit of every game I've watched in football and basketball here lately, they've lost. I just stayed away. Um, but they, it looked to me when I watched the highlights and all back of it, it looked like they, you know, if Caleb Love learns to pass the ball instead of just shooting <laughs> it for a shot, you know, we're good. It's just when you have only like a handful of assists on so many possessions, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. It's just not going to happen. This isn't the NBA. Um, so I think this. Uh, the Georgia Tech game and the game I just watched against the Citadel. I know it was Citadel. I understand that. But um, the fact that they moved the ball a lot more made me feel a little better about the thing. 
Yeah, it's one of those things that it it's tough as a fan to watch because you don't know is it that they're actually moving the ball better or is it the talent differential? Because I had the same reaction. I watched the NC State uh, game tonight. They're playing Furman and they forced 17 turnovers. The press worked pretty well, but the press has historically in the last few years, five-ish years under Kevin Keats, not worked against equally matched or better talented teams. So, like, I'm not a fan of it. It works when you're playing Furman, but you don't get to play Furman all year. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, they. Uh, but I will say now they do, they have returned a lot of starters that Furman team, which I think, if I'm not wrong, last year they the shot they got beat on a last second shot or missed one to miss the tournament. Otherwise, they'd be right. Tournament. So yeah. you know, it's not a not a terrible. Thing I don't I didn't agree with the line being six and a half. I mean, you talked about that earlier. That was kind of wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I I still didn't understand that line, but nevertheless, pack covered. What was it? They say good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, but it's far cry from calling this pack team a great team yet. Don't think that'll happen at any point this year. Uh, but all right, we'll jump into the rundown. Uh, first up, we had some sad news on the sports front and the college football world. Uh, the very much beloved head coach Mike Leach passed. Um, he was 61 years old. It was confirmed this morning um, that he had passed away. It, it was kind of sudden. Um, uh, it was some heart complications. He w- is, was like the current coach at Mississippi State. They, they think they had just finished year eight and four. Mike Leach is one of those guys that has been beloved by many. Like the amount of stories that have poured out on social media from, you know, anywhere from reporters, fans, to former players, to other coaches that have come out about Mike Leach, it kind of shows the the impact that he has had on the game of football and those that are associated with it. Mike Leach is just, what can you say about him other than he's just an interesting cat? Uh, he's a dude who didn't play college football, actually got his law degree at Pepperdine. And then when he got into coaching, you know, he – he was one of the, he was the innovator and, and popularized the air raid offense in college football, which you know those spread concepts and the air raid in particular, you know, has become a commonplace in college football now. But it it was Mike Leach that kind of brought it to to big boy ish football when he was the head man at at Texas Tech. He was the te- head coach of uh, the Red Raiders when with the Michael Crabtree game when they beat Texas on that crazy play that everybody has seen a million times if you're at least our age. Um, Mike Leach is coached there. Then he went to Washington State, you know, had that uh, fantastic year with Gardner Minshew there. And then he left to take the Mississippi State job a few years ago. Um, he, he was known as a QB guru. Like I said, his offenses were fun to watch. He, but the thing about Mike Leach was he was, he was always a fun, interesting interview, whether it was at a press conference, um, a regular sit-down interview, or if he was just shooting the breeze with you. Like I, I saw different stories today where – uh, th- this reporter was talking about trying to get something together for a story, and they ask him a question. He called them um, instead of texting them back. And then they hear the whistle blow, and the reporter was like, Coach, where are you right now? He goes, oh, I'm in the middle of practice, but this is more important. And he's like, we got to – and then he get to, like, talking to him. And they said that he was a long-winded guy, loved to go down the rabbit hole on different stories, and they were always, like, weirdly entertaining. Um, there was th- one time where uh, this one reporter said that there uh, when he was at Oklahoma as an assistant, I believe it was, he got to talking to the, the reporter's dad when the reporter was a child. And the, they said that him and the 
person's dad and Mike Leach talked for like an hour. And at the end of it, Mike Leach was like sitting there with the guy and the guy said, Hey, do you want to ride? And he goes, well, hell yeah, I want to ride. I ain't walking a mile and a half. (laughs) So he gives him a ride. They had a long, long conversation on the ride there, uh, really hit it off. And then Mike Leach told him, thanks for the ride. Well, you fast forward to just a few years ago, that kid uh, whose parent gave Mike Leach a ride is now a reporter. And they did a story with Mike Leach and he told the exact same story about how apartment complexes are the ideal place to raise a family. Cause they have parks, they have dog parks, they have other kids living in there. The exact same story. He told that reporter that he told the reporter's father many years ago. And then the reporter tells coach Leach, you know, it's, you, you probably don't remember, but you actually told my dad this exact story many years ago. He goes, Oh yeah, yeah I remember the reporter just thinking he was just saying that. Uh, but they wrapped the interview up. And then Mike Leach looks at the reporter and says, hey, by the way, tell your dad I said thanks again for the ride. It's just like little things like that. Mike, Mike Leach, they say, was like a fantastic, um, genuine, authentic human being who made you like he, he made you laugh. He made you think. I mean, there, there was a classic uh, uh, press conference he did where he was talking about like the SEC mascots on if they were actually real and they got into a fight, which ones would actually win. I mean, he would just go on these crazy tangents that he was just an entertaining guy. But just the amount of outpouring of of all these stories from everybody involved in football, from the media to the coaches to the former players, has shown you kind of what kind of impact this guy had. And uh, it's a sad day for college football. It's a sad day for sports as a whole when you lose somebody uh, like, you know, that impactful. Um, The only unfortunate thing was the rules kind of stand right now. I believe you have to have 60% win percentage in your career to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. And he passed away with 59.4, I believe. Um, I, I'm a fan of, you know, either making an exception or lowering it a little bit because, you know, the innovation to the game with offense and then just the impact he's had on the game as a whole. It, you know, Mike Leach is a Hall of Famer in my book, if that counts for anything. So uh, rest in peace to Coach Leach. We lost a great one today. Yeah. Um I, you know, I've always, I've seen those interviews, obviously. Um, and he just seemed to be a very entertaining guy and a very genuine guy, an old school type guy. Um, that fit the latest, uh, video he had on Twitter was the one about him shutting the chairs all up after a meeting and sleep yeah. on the ground. You know, that made me laugh, just stuff like that. Um, but no, his impact in college football, um, is going to be forever felt. Let me, let me give you some. Uh, people on his coaching tree um, just that came from him. Um, Dave Aranda from Baylor. Um, he was part of his coaching tree. Um, you got Sonny, Sonny Dykes from uh, TCU's head coach. Uh, you got, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he he played uh, quarterback for him, but um, what do you think he helped with the air rate? I mean, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Um, you have Lincoln Riley, also student assistant um, under Leach and all. I mean, so he's there, and there's those are big time coaches that have came yeah. under him and learned and run the air raid um, type deal or know anything about it. And let's just face it, the air raid offense is just fun. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's very fun to watch. It's very entertaining, and forever we'll be grateful for Mike Leach for helping bring that out. Yeah, and like Ruffin McNeil is another guy uh, that was is from the um, Leach coaching tree. And then for those NC State fans maybe listening, our our new offensive coordinator we signed, Robert and I, 
he was the O-line coach under Mike Leach at Texas Tech. Um, so he's, he's a, a Leach and BYU disciple. Um, like you said, Jordan, he, he just, it's a who's who of, uh, of coaches. If you look at the Mike Leach coaching tree, which is incredible. Yeah, it's wild. And, you know, most people talk about what the coaches are doing now currently, but when you have, um, coaches like that, obviously it's not only Mike Leach that has had a coaching tree like this. Um, but it's, you know, what he has made and the way he has turned offense around in college football and introduced some things. It's just, it's wild and respected by me. Um, and, you know, God only knows what content we're missing out on um, due to his own tally death because of the interviews and stuff like that. Um, I hate that form. And, uh, you know, college football lost a good coach. You're exactly right. So it's, it's sad day. Uh, rest in peace, Coach Mike Leach. So shifting gears back to basketball now. Um, we, we felt we needed to say something about Mike, uh, Mike Leach, you know, with the impact he had. But we'll shift back to the hardwood. Uh, we have a couple topics we have prepared before we get into the picks today. Uh, so next up on the rundown, we kind of want to talk about the ACC obviously has changed now from what it had been for many decades uh, when it comes to the coaching ranks. For years, it was not a matter of who was the best coach. It was a matter of who's, no, who's the third best coach. Because for a long, long time, it was, for most people in the media, most people uh, at large, Mike Krzyzewski, number one. Some would argue Roy Williams, number one. But either way, those were the guys that were a one and two. It was who was third best. So now, you know, Roy Williams retired a couple years ago. Coach K had his last ride last year. Uh, the question now is that Jordan and I are going to try to answer is who is currently in this season, the best coach in the ACC um, Jordan. Uh, I mean, that's a, there's some big shoes to fill from some legends that are now retired. Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, me, me and you've mentioned this a little bit. We could go with the easy answer. You know, you, you could Tony Bennett. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, Bayheim for what he has done, win wise and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, not my favorite guy. Whatever, you know. Some people. Bayheim is a good coach, but he's essentially Bob Huggins with a Carmelo Anthony driven national title. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's. I, I don't know. I, I'm just not a big fan of him. So that's I'm not a big fan of him either. So I'm with that's you. That's why on I'm that. not putting him there. Um, but Tony Bennett, you do have to respect what he has done um, year in and year out with that Virginia program. It's not fun to watch. But he gets players that play for him, play his system, and they stay. They don't just – they're not one and done. So they stay. They buy into the system. And that's why you have guys that feel like they've been there for 30 years. Um, but, you know, we could also go with – so that was too easy. So we got to have another. So let's let's throw Tony Bennett out there. We're not going to use him just for argument's sake. Just put, so we can have a fun conversation to keep everybody on their toes. Logan, do you want me to go first or do you want you to go first? I'll kick it off because I want to kind of stir the pot a little bit in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I think you could even make the argument that in terms of what they're working with, in terms of basketball history, and in terms of just recruits and talent, you could make an argument that Virginia Tech's Mike Young is the best coach in the ACC and is possibly better than Tony Bennett. I'm interested. You got my attention. Let's hear it. I mean, Mike Young took over a Hokie program that had been, you know, playing a little better in recent years. Uh, when they lost their their coach, he went down to what was it, Texas A and M. 
Um, but Mike Young comes in uh, and I brought in some transfers from his previous stop. And then last year, they won the ACC championship in his, what was it, second year as the yeah. head man? And this year, they're off to a 10-1 and <laughs> start. Um, it's kind of the same argument that could be made for Dave Clawson in, in football. Like, in terms of facilities, in terms of what the recruits they get and the current roster makeup, who does more with less than Mike Young in basketball in the same way that who does more with less than Dave Clawson in football? I mean, pound for pound, all things considered, Mike Young could be the best coach in the ACC currently. And, uh, you know, he's had he had quite a bit of success, especially against my boys, at Wofford. Um, yeah. He was there. And, you know, Wofford didn't make any noise in a tournament and the stuff like that. But, you know, they've been a respected program, I would say. I'm not going to say good or great or anything, but respected uh, program. And they have their players that he, the way they, he coaches um, that stay around and buy into a system. That's half the battle with the coaches. You have to get somebody and the recruits to buy into your system. And it seems like he's done that. So I'll take that. That's not where I thought you were going with. But I I I could respect that. I hate I'm I mean, glad Buzz Williams is gone. But yeah, me too, actually. But I but see he I'm just like looking at what he stepped into. He didn't step in and they gave him the keys to the Mercedes. I mean, right. he's driving a Toyota Camry with the Hokey uh basketball program. So Mike Young, I mean, it's there's an argument to be made. All right, let me throw all right, so I'm gonna go with my one my one now that you might you might have thought about this one. Um I'm going with Jim Larinaga. Um it's one of those could be, could be up there. Um uh, consistently Miami's now now it might be because Colton Wong was uh, a seven year senior, maybe it feels like. <laughs> um but you know he had his success at George Mason. Took him to a final four run, right? Went to final four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's consistently got Miami up there at the top of the ACC. He recruits guards like crazy. What he gets from his point guard, uh, point guards is unbelievable. Um, the reason I say him is just consistently every year, bam, bam, bam. And he's proven himself. He's usually up there. Maybe not always top four, but he's always at least in the top six. And, uh, you know, Wins tight. He's won a couple ACC titles, made some noise in the tournament. Um, and this year, they look like another good basketball team that's going to cause uh, some problems for other teams. Um, all right, I'm going to give you another one that I, I want to see what you think about this one. Bra- Brad Brownell. No. No? No. He does just enough to not get fired at a football school. Okay. Because – the reason I say that is because, you know, you had me in the first half with Larinaga, but not the second half. <laughs> Which I mean, it's understandable. I'm, I was going through my ACC list and I'm like, hmm, who is the guys that I could go with that be a contrarian? Um, an argument. I don't. I wouldn't subscribe to this argument, but you can make an argument that at least for most underrated coach would be Mike Bray, Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man. They're they're like that scrappy little underdog that always hangs around, makes some ACC championship game appearances. Um, they're a tough out even in their bad years. 
I mean, and then as uh, I can't remember if it was my brother or one of the other co-hosts on Miserable and Reckless said a couple weeks ago, and Mike Bray just looks like that dude with his hair greased back that is the drunk uncle that shows up in a uh, in a uh, Firebird with his driving whiskey in a brown bag. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? I'm going to say it because it does bother the hell out of me sometimes. Just wear a tie. Wear a tie. Just wear something. Just look respectful. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the way he looks. I don't like the way he just comes around like, eh, let's time to put on some sweatpants. Um, come out there and play basketball. He, he co- commit or or, uh, or go all in on the sweatpants or, or go all in on the tie. He, he's kind of going mix and match with it. Yeah, and that just that, that grinds my gears um, a little bit. But um, back to what I was saying about Clemson is, you know, they broke the curse in Chapel Hill. Um, and – I don't like I don't like him as a coach as a person. Um, he's had some things with the way he treated the Carolina program. Seems like they felt disrespected, so I don't really like him. Um, but I think maybe, that, maybe this Brownell guy ain't so bad after all. You're kind of selling me on him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, they produce. They usually get some decent recruits, and you know they're not gonna. Are they gonna get the buy? No, but. I, I go by consistency, and they're pretty consistent. But you know, I didn't even think about Virginia Tech head coach. And you're right; he's he's the past couple of years he's been there. What has he done? He just won the ACC championship, and he um you know consistently keeps them in the top part of the conference. Yeah, I mean, Larinaga is also a very good choice. And what made me I got to think about this when you mentioned him. Who would have thought in 2004 when we brought in the Hokies and the Hurricanes? that they would be better basketball programs uh, 20 years later than they are football programs. Yeah. Yeah, you never thought that at all. You thought it was a boost to the conference in football. But really, it's kind of – some years, I guess you say it's boosted a little bit in both. But more times than not here lately, it's been basketball. It hasn't been football. And you know what? They really, as a traditional ACC fan, they really ain't helping us do shit then. Because the whole reason we needed them to come in was boosting some football to it. And now look at us here with this whole big two talk. They're, they're basketball schools. So, you know what? I I don't know. Was it really worth it? Well, <laughs> another discussion for another time. But Well, at least, you know, they're in there both sports, unlike uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you know what? No, Mike Bray's eliminated for me just because of the fact that his school <laughs> want to get in their uh, football season for them to keep their contract for NBC. All right, so flip side of that, who's the worst coach in the ACC right now? Mm-hmm. Damn, I didn't prepare for this argument, so this is going to be about to see them pants. Um, see, you got to think that it's down to a few guys. I mean, look, you could you could make an argument from my guy Kevin Keats. You can make an argument a for he's a winner, self described winner. Nice guy, like he is. He really is a nice human being. But like results, you know, the numbers are the numbers. But you could whoever Boston College trots out on the sideline in any given year. <laughs> yeah, I mean their their teams tend to be consistently awful. I'm not gonna quite jump the ship and give an easy target to a little guy because he's coming in off the off the his, I think it's his first year. Plus, yeah. he's coming in off the sanctions. And the all the stuff with that, so I'm not going to give it to him. Um, I'm not going to give it to Leonard Hamilton because he's been too consistent. I mean, yeah. this is a terrible year for him. I'm not giving him that. He's been good for a while up until like now, right? Georgia Tech's just 
doing it. Uh, the guy from Memphis, he's just doing just enough. But you could, but then again, he's not doing it. He's not getting better. He's not. No. He's not making the team better. And so he's the same coach he was at Memphis 15 years ago. Right. So what's happening there? It's almost time for Georgia Tech to shit or get or uh, I mean, get off the pot. Shit or get off the pot here. Well, the thing is, they they won the ACC championship a couple of years ago with their Mickey Mouse title, as I call it, where they got advanced because a team had a couple of players with COVID. But I mean, you're right, Josh, Josh Pastner. You know, let's be honest, he kind of sucks. Yeah, I, they hire some winners down in Atlanta. It seems like Jeff Collins, Josh Pastner. <laughs> remind me never to want to hire the AD from Georgia Tech. Hey, so what I want to know is, what about your boy Kate? Has he had enough years to be consistent there? I think and he has. I argue yes. Yeah, I, I argue yes. Because basketball, if you're competent, it doesn't take a ton of time to be competitive. And Capel has underperformed relative to what probably was expected of him. Now, he had some roster issues, like with a bunch of turnover, transfers, whatever. But you know, that's still part of the coaching job is to maintain the roster. And that was – he had those issues pre-transfer portal. So, you know, Capel is a good recruiter. I used to say great recruiter, but is he still a great recruiter now that he's not recruiting to Duke? That, you know, you, I think sometimes we forget the, the allure of the playing on national television for North Carolina or Duke actually has, and it can probably elevate a average recruiter to a good recruiter, a good re- recruiter to a great recruiter. Um, and then it's also different when you're recruiting kids to come to Pittsburgh to play for your program rather than playing in Cameron Indoor for Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I, so you want to go with as our final answer here is Pastner or um, – I'm, I'm between Pastner or whoever – BC trots out. Random, whoever BC trots out. I, I, I'm going to take away BC and give them a little love. I'm going Cable or um, – Fair enough. But it's an interesting conversation because for the first time in a while, there isn't a clear number one, you know? And so that's why I was like, I wanted to bring it up on the podcast early in the year. And then we can revisit it later in the year to see if, you know, Mike Young and Jim Laranega still have good years. But it's it's a new era in the ACC basketball realm. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody can – you know, I, I was very impressed and shocked because I was the one on the Hubert train last year that was very upset at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and I'll admit yeah. that. Um, but, you know, what he – there's not many coaches that go in and do what he did. They got hot at the right time. They did what they were supposed to do. Um, they had some big wins. But uh, that doesn't happen to everybody. The chips had to fall in the right place. Um, it's still not really all – Hubert's recruiting, so we'll see what happens as time goes on, what happens with his recruits. Um, but I'd be shocked to see most first-year coaches do that. Yeah. Have to up. yeah, I mean, and he and Shire both are stepping into a much – Yeah, easier. Everybody likes to talk about, like, uh, oh, it's a, it's a rough situation following the legend. Yes, that's true over the course of a three- to five-year span. But the immediate next year <laughs> – you know, especially in Hubert's case, where the roster didn't have a lot of turnover, you know, it's not a bad situation because you look what Bill Guthridge did after Dean Smith retired, right? right? So, you know, the talent's there. 
Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out on the with coaching performance. We'll see revisit it later in the end of the year, see like we did with quarterbacks in football and see yeah. uh what we got right this year, what we got wrong. But in that on that same uh vein, we kind of want to talk about briefly the home court advantage. Cause like, you know, we know the historical uh, venues like I, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole on it, but we talked about how the old timers talk about how how difficult and how loud Reynolds used to be. But say doesn't play at Reynolds anymore; they play at PNC and they can't put butts in the seats. So PNC, unless you're uh, light blue or dark blue coming into that arena, I mean, you could probably have a conversation and hear the people two rows, four rows down in front of you just fine. I mean, it's just it's an empty, quiet arena these days. But that got us to thinking about what is the the best home court advantage in the ACC. So uh, I went first on the coaches. What do you think about who has the best home court advantage? Do you want me to give the easy answer? Because uh, we could get the easy answer out of the way. The easy answer uh, is Cameron Indoor Stadium, yeah. right? So no need to speak for ten minutes about the cam- Oh, baby, the camera crazies. You know, nine thousand three hundred fourteen people. Like we get it. We've gone down that road and everybody who has watched basketball for a modicum amount of 30 minutes of time or whatever, you, you know, about Cameron Indoor. what are about the, what's, what's the next, uh, arena venue, what have you, that is tough to play in. We're staying ACC, correct? That's what we're, yeah. ACC. Um, the next toughest, it's a little, it's a little more difficult. Um, I would love to give it to Carolina. I really would. But then you got the old timers that sit in the lower level and you got that don't get excited. And if you stand up, they tap you on the shoulder and say, sit down. And I'm yeah. like, hell no. I paid for this ticket. If you didn't like it, get a better damn seat. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating because that place is built to be loud. And I think obviously the upper the more of the not wine and cheese crowd, as Sam Cassell called it, um, <laughs> is is up there. It's a whole different. And, you know, there's games that the place is rocking, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give it as one of the toughest ones. I mean, I think it's the top three toughest ones, but I don't think it's the second one. Um, there, There's a couple others that kind of – I don't know if there's a clear-cut number two, to be honest with you, Logan. It's tough. In my opinion, it's not. Um, because, you know, you, you look at Florida State as a tough place to go and win. It just always if, is. If there are people there. That's the right. thing, though. It, it's like I'm watching the Florida State uh, SC Upstate game right now, and there's nobody there. But it's like it's in order for people to have a consistently tough place, they have to be consistently good. And I don't think anybody in the, the league outside of maybe – UNC and Virginia has been consistently good enough to really say they've had a con- like a, a really tough year in and year out uh, venue to play in. But you made a good point about Carolina. Carolina may slide into this just by default, but Carolina is not always loud. No. And like tonight. I fa- I've fallen asleep during a game at Chapel Hill before. Like I've never done that at a basketball game. I was tired. And it was literally so quiet because it was a blowout that I fell asleep at the Dean Knoll. Damn, you sound like some of the people at the football game. <laughs> um, 
No, I'll, I'll give you. How about this? We'll just go down the list of perspective venues because I don't. I, for me, I can't give you a clear cut number two unless you want to just go Carolina or uh, Virginia Tech. That place, for some reason, seems to be pretty tough. Um, yeah, Castle Coliseum. There are three. That, there are three that kind of stuck out in my mind. That when it's when they're decent, they're tough. Castle Coliseum's <laughs> one for Virginia Tech. John Paul Jones Arena for Virginia yeah. is is can get pretty loud, and then after that, you know, Wake Forest and Little John Coliseum where Clemson plays. I've seen Little Clemson be, be rocking. Little John yeah. can rock. You know, it's just they're not consistent enough in basketball for it to be a common thing. Well, you know, Lawrence Stroll goes back to when you have the in-state school, uh, they're going to be loud. They're going to be there mm-hmm. and it's rocking. Um, I mean, you know what? I really hate to even mention them, but do you remember how everybody used to hate to go to Maryland? Oh, well, everybody, yeah. Totally. The, the entire, I mean, that yeah. student section of that, everything was just like everybody hated to go there. I mean, they were just obnoxious, it seemed like. And, you know, I really hate that they left. But, yeah. Can we trade it, some back? Can we send BC back? <laughs> I wish. Uh, it's one of those things, though, is like the Maryland fans were so obsessed with right. the North Carolina schools and especially Duke. But the, right. it always they, reminds me. Probably. Yeah. It, it always reminds me of the, um, the Mad Men meme where. Don Draper's in the elevator, and this woman says, uh, I hate you. And then Don Draper says, I don't even think about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that like the triangle schools with Maryland. Maryland wanted so bad to be involved in the North Carolina rivalries that they tried to squeeze themselves in. And but that's not saying Maryland wasn't good. Maryland was a historically good ACC right. program, and we there were they were a thorn in everybody's side. And Comcast Center could get really, really loud. <laughs> I, I thoroughly remember those those rivalries. Ravis Vasquez, oh my gosh! Yeah. Especially, I loved when it was Duke. I even enjoyed watching Duke and Maryland because I was like, "Oh yeah, finally, Duke's gonna get a little taste of their own medicine going here." <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, the student section, the stuff like that, all all the chants, the whatever." I was like, "Finally, Duke gets a little bit of this." But um, you know, I'll, I'll speak as a Carolina fan. Places I hate to go. As a Carolina fan, John Paul Jones, I hate going to Castle Coliseum. All the Virginia schools, they just annoy the hell out of me. And I hate going to Florida State. Yeah. Other than that, I'm I'm fine. Um, I hate going to those three, and that's that's really about it for me that I hate to go to. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that when Carolina comes to town, PNC during the Carolina game and during the Duke game is, some, is one of the loudest is. buildings I've ever been in. But – it's different with Duke and Carolina. Carolina's won way more times than not right. in PNC. Duke, on the other hand, is like hovers around 500 over the last like 10 to 15 years at PNC. Like Duke fans will probably be like, you know what? PNC ain't an easy place to play. Well, so what I like doing in there is I look at that as a good bet for me because I always take state plus the points in that series at state because I know. No matter what happens, no matter what the spread could be, it could be, you know, even close, but it's going to probably stay under 10. More likely that game's going to stay under 10 points. No matter who wins that ball game, it's going to stay under 10 points. And it's, it's one of those games that for some reason that y'all, y'all go and compete. And y'all had some games in Cameron. 
but I had some close games, but outside of the year that doesn't count because it was vacated, uh, State hasn't won in Cameron <laughs> Indoor since 1995. You mean the uh, Dennis Smith dunk and the just jamming over? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. That didn't, that never happened, according <laughs> to the record books. Mark Godfrey, he knew. Well, I, as an aside, I remember when they said, well, one of the punishments is you're going to have to vacate that season. I'm like, fine, take those 14 wins. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> we, your terms are acceptable. <laughs> they fit the crime. No, I mean. <laughs> yeah. so That I wanna, season uh, was a crime. <laughs> so as a state alumni fan, what are your places you hate for the Wolfpack? Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you have to have other places that are that are tougher than um, for you historically. <laughs> Duke, just because they they never win there. Uh, Carolina, because it's just something about you know it's going to be loud for that game. And I have been there. I have seen in person a huge win at, at the Dean Dome, where State held Carolina to the lowest point total in Dean Dome history, and then turn around a year or two later and I see Carolina beat state by 50 points. And I'm not exaggerating when I say 50 points. Um, so Carolina is a house of horrors just because Roy owned NC state. Um, so for a good part of my life, that's, you know, especially in my college years, that's the reality of it. Um, then there isn't really anywhere else that I, I say that I, I, I hate more than the other to go play there because state weirdly enough plays well at uh, John Paul Jones arena in Charlottesville. Like we've won a couple, like for a while there, Tony Bennett had a losing record against NC state. That is wild. As recently as like a couple years ago. That is wild because they are, they are rather annoying and I might go ahead and place a futures bet. And anybody listening, it doesn't matter when Carolina goes to Charlottesville if they lose. I don't care what it is. Throw your house, throw anything on it. They're going to lose. It happens every single year, and it's not <laughs> important. It's just one of those things. It, sports are weird like that. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Sports are weird like that. But, I mean, I think in summary, really, there isn't a clear-cut number two. No. And it, it's probably Carolina by default, but – you could probably make an argument for Castle or John Paul Jones or Little John or, or Joel Coliseum or whatever in the right situations. That's about it. That's and you know, I'm not even I might would go Lawrence Joel over Little John. Um yeah. if I have to make that decision. Just All that tie dye nation crap they do. Yeah, whatever the screaming demons. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. That's that's rather annoying, but I mean, to be fair, that just describes Wake Forest rather annoying. Hey, I don't have a problem with Wake Forest, but you're uh, you you and your Big Ten hating ass and the uh, and the and the hater of Wake Forest over there. Keep that. It's, it's just because Wake Forest is a thorn in our side. Like it's just they're they're just annoying. Like and everybody, they're the they they're uh, a friend of mine was reading this book about the ACC. And was saying that Wake Forest has always been like the forgotten program of the four. <laughs> and Wake Forest is like low key had some runs where they were just like exceptional in basketball. <laughs> but they're, they're like the forgotten program. If they didn't, I'm telling you, we talked about this last episode. If it, if Skip Prosser was still running that program, 
what happens to that because it could have been nuts. It could have been up there ahead of Virginia's type deal. It could have been Duke, Carolina, Wake Forest, all sitting right there top three. Could have been. been. Could have been. They might actually – no, I don't want to get too crazy saying this, but they might actually have a championship. Uh, ACC, we're talking national. <laughs> uh, no. What is the only one that really, in the grand scheme of things, matters? National. <laughs> yeah. But ACC title matters. Don't get me wrong. Like, I would be ready to go uh, streaking through the quads, metaphorically speaking, of course, <laughs> if uh, NC State were to win the ACC title. But, you know, the one thing that through, even through NC State's wilderness run of 40 years that I've been able to hold on to is they're still got just as many national titles and more program wins than Michigan State. That's fair. I just – I've been about program all the time. Just not the last 40 years. I really just hate it. I hate it for the wait for it. I know you don't hate it, for them, but I hate it for what happened. Back. But enough on Skip Prosser and all that stuff. Yeah, um, that's sad with uh, the Skip Prosser situation because he, he would have had that program continuing to be a, a year in and year out contender. Um, so I am very interested to know, segue into our next segment. segment what happened? How how do we do record wise in the pick last week? Mm, let me look. Did you go out to a commanding lead, or did I sneak in there and take some picks away? All right. If my math serves me correctly, we both finished week one in basketball at three and two, so we're tied through one week. So we're kissing our sisters here. Pretty much, yeah. Mm, that's terrible. Mm. But here we go. Let's get into uh, week two of Pick'em. Uh, why don't you uh, take the reins this week on basketball? All right. I'm ready. Let's, uh, I'm trying to pull away here a little bit. I'm ready to take over this. Um, so, first game we got, um, Indiana at Kansas. It's in uh, Allen Fieldhouse, number 14th ranked Indiana versus uh, number eight Kansas. So, Logan. You know how tough a place we just did our segment on tough places to play. You know exactly how tough Allen Taylor House is. We haven't been there personally. One of one of our lists. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day we'll be as good as the Barstool Storm Chasers. You know, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. um, and get to get all these venues. But that's definitely on a bucket list of mine. I know it's probably on yours too. So, Indiana versus Kansas. Who do you have? Well, first off, I'm going to – my pick ties in perfectly with my pettiness this week. Great. So I have a grudge, to, a bone to pick with Indiana because I, I picked them last week. They lost, so screw Indiana. I'm against you this week. And then I owe the Jayhawks again for knocking off the Tar Heels in the national title game last year. So rock chalk. <laughs> rock chalk, Jayhawk. They're going to win at home. Fog Allen Fieldhouse is going to be rocking. Indiana goes down. You're an asshole. <laughs> didn't bother me when my mama said it doesn't bother me now <laughs> or whatever you used to say when we were little <laughs> the first time uh, you ever made that comment I was near about pissed myself laughing <laughs> I have a lot of Jordanism it seemed like that <laughs> yeah. I figured out over the year um, <laughs> that come back up but no I it's a tough little thing. Now, Kansas has looked good, um, but they've had some games where they've looked like they've stumbled a little bit. They've 
not done what they're supposed to do. But I'm kind of with you here. You're going back home. You're going to Allen Fieldhouse. I don't even know when they played there um, lately. So, you know, what fixes a lot of problems is coming back home. So I think that Kansas wins. We obviously don't have the spread on these games because here we are recording on a Tuesday night, and we uh, we don't have those. So we're only doing money lines because of that. Um, if you want the spread picks for these games, follow me at, at ColdCansPick'em uh, on Twitter, and I'll have those up for these games um, when the lines come out and are readily available. All right, so now we go to another game. I was telling you earlier, how much that we had good ball games this week. Um, and so here's another one. We got a um, power six, as Kyle says, <laughs> versus uh, our our stronghold up here at ACC, Virginia. So Houston versus Virginia. Um, who you got? Well, actually, no, you went first. I'll go first this time. So Houston just lost to Alabama. Um, that's why they dropped from number one team. I know you were very upset because yep. you thought the whole state prodigy was going to work. Yeah, it was going to. It was feeling like eighty three for about two hours. <laughs> and you know, I was upset with you because I thought Houston was going to run away with that also. Um, but nonetheless, I think UVA is legit, and it's not the fact they're playing at home, but I think they're a consistent team. Houston is very good, big physical. They play defense. Um, last year, they were one of the top defensive teams. And so I think that's what's going to happen again. UVA obviously can play that style all day long. And I think UVA is just better in the half court than Houston is. So give me the who's um, to win this ball game just based off that. And this game's at John Paul Jones? Um. I have it as that. I don't know. You know, it might be one of them weird tournaments. Yeah. Um, but if it is a John Paul, that makes a big difference. John Paul Jones, PNC, the backyard don't matter. Give me the who's. Yeah, they uh, they're very another another grudge pick. Just because you hate Houston. I don't hate Houston. I actually kind of like Houston, but damn it, they they screwed me last week. I was trying to come out of, with a lead out of week one. So did well, you, then again, we both picked them, but do you like them because their mascots Cougars, or do you like? Them? <laughs> <laughs> or do you like? I think Kel- I think Kelvin Sampson's a, a solid coach. He is, he is, and a respectful coach. And you know his team's going to play defense, but you know yeah. you got the master of defense over here with Tony Bennett yeah. and the slow pace program. And so, let's and be UVA honest, gets away with hand checking more than any other program in the country. Well, also. Let's just let's just call it what it is. If you're gonna bet on this game, take the under. I mean, it's probably gonna be a low scoring ball game. Yeah, definitely so. All right, so moving right along, we have UCLA versus Kentucky. Um, I do not like Big Blue Nation. Um, sorry. Um, you know, I know that as a Duke fan. Well, as a Duke childhood fan, that you know you might not like them as well. So, what you got? You got number sixteen UCLA versus Kentucky. It's in the CB, um, the classic or whatever they yeah, always play, yeah. Carolina and all that. So, um, it's going to be at a neutral site here. Um, I think it's Madison Square Garden, so it's not at Kentucky. 
It's not at Rupp. So what do you got? Kentucky, you know, obviously has talent because Calipari is a good recruiter. I've watched probably a game and a half of theirs. They look all right. I They just haven't wowed me this year. So I'm going to go with the better, in my opinion, in-game coach, and that's Mick Cronin. So uh, I, I got the Bruins winning this one. Well, just on the fact of I got to make up the game somewhere. And because I do believe that Kentucky is big down low, and UCLA has the guard play. Um, UCLA is better at the guards, I feel like. But I think this is the down low. Let's, let's out-rebound our opponent here. So I'm going to go with Kentucky to win because – I just feel like they're better down low and can rebound the basketball a little better and get second chance opportunities. So that's why I'm going with the Wildcats here. Um, next, we're going to Tennessee versus Arizona. That's one of those that I knew. Arizona could score the rock. Um, Tennessee's not bad. You know, they got my nemesis, Rick Barnes. Mm-hmm. It makes things a little difficult there. Um, but I'll take this pick first. Um I, I'm i still going with the Wildcats. Until they screw me, they can score. And it's going to be a high-tempo game, I feel like. So I'm going to go with the Arizona Wildcats to win this ballgame. I don't know where's. I don't know exactly if it's at Arizona. I think it is. But um, it doesn't matter. I'm still going with the Wildcats to win this ballgame. I've been saying it all year. It feels like 98. Oh, wait, football's over. Um, <laughs> uh I, this is a tough one, but I'm going to have to go with Tennessee Volunteers still just because mm-hmm. I, I do believe that I think Tennessee is a good team this year. Rick Barnes is known for having, being a regular season wonder, flaming yes. out in the tournament. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Rick Barnes is a self-avowed, certified Carolina hater. <laughs> so he's all right in my book, Tennessee Volunteers. You're going to be singing Rocky Top. Maybe be singing Rocky Top. Um. There's not a whole lot of ACC games that are big this week. Um, we got some teams playing in tournaments. Um, I don't know why. It's weird. I looked at the schedule and Duke's not playing. Um, somehow they get about a two-week bye always through the year. <laughs> I don't know how that works out. But nevertheless, we got Jerry Stackhouse um, facing your NC State Wolfpack. And – uh, you know, everybody's seen on Twitter, I'm sure. Everybody's seen that irate um, of him going off at the official. At one point, I feared for the official's life because Jerry Stackhouse is a fit man. And, uh, you know, so you got Bandy versus your Wolfpack, and it's at, it's, I think it's at Carter Finley. I mean, not Carter Finley. Wow. <laughs> I, something about this football thing that we can't get off of. Um, but it's at PNC, rocking place. I don't think it'll be sold out or anything for that. But what do you think is going to happen for this Vandy and NC State? Well, NC State uh, looked pretty good tonight in terms of shooting the ball. They didn't shoot badly against Miami. They just kind of ran out of gas against the 10-1 and team. But they, they did give up that lead. But they're not on the road against Vandy. I also have to say Stackhouse is their coach, so go to Hell Carolina. Vanderbilt. They can go to hell too after the Omaha screw job a couple years ago. Wolfpack all day. Yeah, I'm not going to agree with you on that. I'm going to go to hell, Carolina, because um, I'm just, I can't say that straight face. Um, so I'm going to go with the fact that NC State's got better guard play. They scored the rock. Um, I saw your recruit was there. 
um, for, you know, tonight's game. He was in the yeah. building. Um, but you're going to miss the big man down low as time for play mm-hmm. um, continues here. But I think the Wolfpack do win this ball game, and I don't think it's particularly close. I don't know the spread. I'll have that up at Cole Cain's pick when I pick this game, but I will be picking the Wolfpack probably to cover the spread. It uh, Some positive news that came out, they reported tonight during the game, is they're optimistic that uh, Dusan Mahorchich could be back uh, around February. Well, that's good that it's not a serious injury. That yeah. wasn't. They, you know, they said it's, it's the same injury he had last season when he was at Utah. Hmm. Well, that's not good, though. That no. happened two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want to rush him back. With no, that definitely not. That. I don't want him to rush back and get back for the Carolina game. I hate for that. <laughs> um, oh, no. I want I want, oh, no. I want State to be as handicapped as possible um, when they face my Tar Heels. But, no, I'm with you. The Wolfpack will win this one and probably cover the spread. Depends on what it is. Wolfpack have been a covering machine this year. They have. And they've won me some money off of it. I've asked you for opinions on it, uh, what happens. But I've learned, and you told me this, and James White has told me this, also one of our buddies, that you don't pick state on the road anywhere, football, basketball. Yeah, especially as a road favorite in football. Yeah, so you need to stay away from that just for next year's. Isn't it funny how we always end up talking about football at some point during this segment? (laughs) I know. It's like, you know what? Enough of football. But anyways, let me reference something that has no bearing on this next pick. Let's talk about football at any any time we can. It's the um, second most popular sport in America behind uh, the NFL for a reason. Uh, I thought you were going to say behind soccer. <laughs> <laughs> now the World Cup's over. Everybody can quit pretending to be a fucking soccer fan. Yeah, nothing. What, what did you say? Nobody, uh, nothing American about soccer, really. No. And for for one of some of you few soccer fans out there, yes, I realize the World Cup isn't actually over, but America's out. So in the, in American terms, yes, the World Cup's over. Um, so that takes us to our last pick of the pick. We got uh, my Tar Heels versus Ohio State, and that's at that's in uh, Madison Square Garden as part of the Champions or whatever class that they have. Um, and so. With that, I guess I'll have to take this pick since you took the last one. So we got Carolina versus number 23, Ohio State. And so I've watched Ohio State play um, Duke. I've watched them play several teams in the Maui. And um, I I think Ohio State's a good team. And I know Carolina's uh, backcourt and is, is pretty good. And I realize that, you know, honestly, Caleb Love and RJ Davis should be better than most uh most anybody in the country. They're, they should be up there. Um, but with that being said, I'm going with the Buckeyes um, to win this ball game. Just I'm trying to get the overall record up. So I'm going with the Buckeyes to beat Carolina here. It hurts my heart to say this. Uh, maybe I won't watch and maybe Carolina will win. Um, but if I'm watching, you can bet your ass the Buckeyes will definitely win, it seems like. So – I'm going to go with the Buckeyes to win this game. What about you? I'm going to set the scene for you. Uh, fast forward to next week when we're recording. You're going to mimic 
what was it, the UNC cheerleaders or whatever, and you're going to be like, oh, Ohio State, what happened? Because <laughs> I think Carolina is kind of shaking the funk a little bit. I think Armando Baycott, you know, I know, I don't think I know he's a double-double machine. And the problem is with your backcourt is Caleb Love is so inconsistent. But I think you're going to get good Caleb Love against the Buckeyes, and I think you're going to win on a neutral court. That being said, go Buckeyes, but I think the Hills win. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I'll take this loss with a smiling face if that happens. <laughs> it would be a good win um, for my Tar Heels, and they don't have many of those this year. Uh, everybody they beat, they should have beat, and they've lost to teams they probably shouldn't have lost to. Um, but with that being said, you know, you're getting closer to the nitty-gritty here. We'll get, we're in December now, so um, – you never know. And eventually, like you said, Carolina's got to turn this around. They're just too good. Um, and so I think that – I think still the Buckeyes win, but maybe not cover a spread. I don't know what it is because here we are on a Tuesday. But it'll be closer <laughs> than most people think. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. I think the Heels actually win straight up, but uh, we'll see. I mean, Carolina's been inconsistent this year, so they're tough to pick. But, uh, well, Jordan, we still got a couple days left. Like I said, countrycoldcans.com slash shop for 20% off all the merch site-wide with the code COLDCANS. It's countrycoldcans.com slash shop, 20% off the merch site-wide. Use the code, put the program code uh, COLDCANS in at your checkout. But you also had another special deal you were offering until then, if you want to tell the listeners of America what that is. Yes. Uh, You know, I've already had some some kickback on this from my friends. They're a little upset by the way I worded this, but I'm sorry. I'm not going <laughs> to buy a hat for my friends. You know, my friends. Um, Read the fine print. Uh, if you leave us a voicemail, and it doesn't have to be a minute long, but it can be up to a minute long on the uh, on the podcast. Um, if you leave us some type of uh, audio that is, I mean, like I said, it could just be you guys were you guys were terrible. I don't like your picks. I don't <laughs> care. Um, you know, I know you don't really care what people think, and I sure as hell don't care what people think um, because it's our podcast, and we can kind of do whatever the hell we want to do. Um, so if you leave us up to that, uh, voicemail, we'll play it on the show. Um, we'll also, you'll get a free hat out of it. Um, I'll buy, I'll personally buy you the hat. I'll ship it to wherever you need it to go. And, uh, and it's, it's free. Everything's free. If you want a hat, shirt, um, koozie, whatever, you just let us know what you want. And I'll be glad to personally buy that for you. Um, but just leave us a voicemail. If you want to just say, uh, you don't like us, you like us, or just want to go tell us to go fuck ourselves. That's fine too. Um, but, it needs to be around 30 seconds when you think that so we can play it on the show. Be good to go. There it is, folks. Easiest way to get a free country and cold cans hat is to leave it up to one minute voicemail in the Spotify description. While you're there, um, anybody of you out there, you can leave us a comment, even if you don't want us to hear your voice or the internet to hear your voice. I get it. It's not for everybody, but you can leave us a comment in the Q and a section on Spotify. Uh, be sure to give us five stars and a great review wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is Apple Podcast and Spotify. Uh, check out the website, like I said, countryandcoldcans.com. Got some blog content on the music side coming out there. Uh, Andy just put up his 
uh, song of the week pick. And tomorrow we have an article dropping of our top five favorite country slash rock albums of the year. So check that out where you get that there. Um, and then as always share this podcast with your friends, leave us a voicemail. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll play it on the show. Um, so for this episode of tailgate season, where it's always a bad day to be a beer presented by the cold cans network. I'm Logan. Sitting here with Jordan. See you next time.